everyone, and welcome to the 70th episode of the Player 2 Pixelcast. And what a special episode we have in store. My name is Matt Houston, and I'm joined by the entirety of the Player 2 editorial team, which doesn't happen very often. First, on my virtual left, is the resident Sony pony, Paul. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> we're, off to, we're off to a start. I nearly spat it up straight away. I didn't realize you were going to hang it on me this early. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's no escape this episode. We're all friends. But it's good here. to be here. Excellent. If excellent. Paul's a massive Sony pony, can we start referring to his little shed as the stable? <laughs> the, the Sony stable. It's, a, it's not a shed. It's a studio space. Damn it. It's a, it's a stable. It's a, it's a yeah. stable. It's the stable from now on. On my right is the only person on the Player 2 writing staff that actually has a published book. Jess. Hello. Um, you? You're always so impressed by that, and it's just you're the only person that is. But um, I appreciate it every time. I'm impressed by it because I'm jealous, and one day I will regret not doing that, and I'll just look at you and be jealous. There's so much time. You have so much time. <laughs> not according to my kids who keep telling me I'm old. Sitting virtually in front of me, though, is a man who is rapidly converting his house into some sort of board game storage facility. Stephen. Yes, I mean, well, no, I've, that's my, I've reached my space limit and I'm not allowed over that space limit. <laughs> You're not allowed? <laughs> no. The line has been drawn. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so you have think to that recycle was, board games. Well, it's, it's sort of got to get to a one in, one out situation where if I want to bring anything in, I've got to get something You're the out. one that goes out? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> could probably fit a few games in the space that I take up. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's worth it. So what's so special about this episode? Well, thanks to Audio-Technica, we're recording it to be played on PAX Radio during the PAX Oz online event. So this could be the very first time you have heard us. If so, we apologise. But to celebrate, we thought it would be nice to play on those heartstrings and talk about PAX past. We all have quite the history with the event and thought it would be lovely to reminisce about the wonderful times we've all had especially considering we can't be there in person this year so we're going to start with one of the biggest parts of PAX which is the panels and I'm saying P a lot and this is a lot of alliteration and I apologize we all have been a part of panels I believe um, we all certainly attended them uh, but I think Jess you're the most prolific I... paneler of all of us Where am I? I think yeah, so I do love them you do love a panel um, I do what are some of the highlights of your panelling past? It's a tough question. Um, I've done some, some interesting ones over the years. Um, usually I do a lot of the panels um, in the diversity lounge because a lot of the work that I do um, is about diversity and inclusion and so I'm often talking about like representation in games. Um, and that's that's always really fun and really cool because the, the community that is built around those sorts of panels um, that are a part of PAX. So, like, you know, it's, it's such a tight-knit community and it's always, like, the energy is so good yeah. um, being around, you know, people that kind of share your life and values and interests and stuff. Um, but I've done, yeah, I've done some other some other interesting ones too. A couple of years ago, uh, we did one about um, Black Mirror and it was, like, the, the technology in Black Mirror and we rated kind of, like, whether or not we would... We would buy that technology or like opt into that technology and you know um would it bring about the apocalypse or you know if, if it didn't like how much would we pay for it um that was that was pretty cool um little did you know we ended up in a po an apocalypse anyway yeah well yeah i know you and not well even the way that anyone expected yeah <laughs> i know 
Why not, Why uh, not? record every moment of my existence? <laughs> you know, what can go wrong? What can go more wrong than what ended up happening? Um, yeah, so that was that was pretty cool. That was a, um, a highlight. I did one about games criticism um, with uh, um, David Hollingsworth, who used to run um, Hyper. Hyper. Still um, runs PC Powerplay. Still runs uh, PC Powerplay. Mm-hmm. Um, Rami Ismail, who is a very prolific um, game developer. Um, so that was some some cool people to get to, to panel with, um, but yeah, it's it's been it's been great. Panels are always my favorite part of PAX because you know you're around people that love to just chat about games and um, people keep letting me talk and it's baffling but exciting and um, yeah, it's great. It's a good time. Good time. I was on a panel with Jess once, and I think that was yes. probably the first time. Maybe not the first time I met you, but it was certainly early, one of the first times. It was early know. days. Yeah, mm. we did a bit. First time I met in person, for sure. Yeah, yeah. We did uh, lit- literature that had been made into games. and It was other forms of media that yeah. had been made into games. I yeah. remember because I talked about the Grey's Anatomy uh, DS That's game. That's right, yeah. You had an obsession. <laughs> <laughs> Holy yeah. shit. And, and we did yeah. Spec Ops Which and has stuck others. with yeah. me um, <laughs> for obvious reasons. <laughs> Um, I can't believe you're the only person that still remembers that game ever happened. I don't even think the developers remember that. They've scrubbed it from their resumes. Yeah, look. It probably took them two weeks to make it. Yeah. Um, Look, I mean, I bought it secondhand, I think. I think I have, like, a a secondhand copy of it somewhere. So it was was not a huge investment on my part. But, like, what was I going to do? Not buy it when I saw the Grey's Anatomy DS game? That's not who I am as a person. I'm a person who plays the Grey's Anatomy game. Like, right, yeah. I accepted it. It's fine. Um, but, yeah, we talked about some actual good games on that panel, we, too. We so. did. It was a good one. Um, was... Paul, have you been on a I don't have a huge amount of experience. I, have, I don't have a huge amount of experience. Um, I mean, I was at, I guess, in the, the last time that we actually went to PAX in 2019, I was at the party mode one, but that was all fun and games and really yeah. purely about entertainment and the like. And you wouldn't really class it as a panel, I guess, just, per se, because yeah. it was just, it was a shit show. Like, people yeah. just piling in left, right, and center, and you're just hanging Carrying crap on, on one another and playing games for it. Like, it was, that, that was kind of the, the nature of the whole thing. I, I have been eyeing off for the last few years, I guess, since Dev Diary has become a bit of a thing and starting to grow some legs of its own, that I wanted to bring that two packs. But the pandemic seen to that. So, yeah. hopefully, come 2022, I'll be able to bring Dev Diary to packs and. Introduce it to hopefully a new audience, much like what we're talking about now. And if you are listening, uh, Dev Diary podcast, go check it out. Um, (laughs) No shame on this podcast, by the way. We will plug any of our own work. So just just be aware, new listeners. So that's kind of the plan the next few years. But at present, not a huge amount of experience, largely due to circumstances. Stephen, I know uh, you set up a panel one year, didn't you? Yeah, uh, that was sort of a single player versus multiplayer kind of uh for shits and gigs um panel that i think had uh jason ims and lance uh mcdonald on there who people might know as man fight dragon on twitter and um that was just you know kind of a fun like you know which side is going to win some audience interaction things like that which was uh, a lot of fun uh i attended a lot more panels in my first couple of uh pax visits and then there's just so much stuff to do that it started to become harder and harder to 
chip out a two-hour block of time, especially for those popular panels that are just... You are literally spending an hour lining up, waiting while one panel finishes so you can go into the next panel. Yeah. And those keynotes, I haven't attended any of those. Like, unless I'm getting ushered in the door with my fancy badge, which, <laughs> well, it's packed, so that doesn't happen anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, it's yeah, it's just it's so difficult. There's so much stuff going on at PAX, and if you're interested in everything that's happening there, it's really hard to divide your time and attention uh, between everything. And of course, it's such a social experience as well that it's really hard to, you know, have the discipline to say, actually, I'm going to go and sit in this panel rather than hang out with all of you awesome individuals. Yeah, being on the panels and packing them so tightly together because you're on so many that you have to literally run across the, like, the panel kind of, but like, between panel rooms. Um, so I'm, like, sprinting out the door, like, five minutes late, running into my own panel onto the stage, like, wait, I'm here! Yeah, that really, it really <laughs> inspires you to to get there. Yeah. Well, because I think we, we used to know a few people who ran quite a lot of them and mm. started to get a bit burnt out. And then as, I guess packs grew because i feel like it has grown since um we started attending at the uh, uh the melbourne uh location um that it's maybe been easier for those people to not run so many panels because they're getting such a massive uh selection presented to them every mm. year yeah. that um you know it's sort of really hard to get a pax panel these days mm. I think so. I mean, I've done a few now on like being a gaming parent. Um, that seemed to be my shtick for quite a while there. I did that at EB Expo and then uh, at PAX as well. Um, You've been pigeonholed. I have been. I'm, I'm the old guy with a 16-year-old that just got his learners. <laughs> Somehow we got there. But I think the the kind of silly ones that I've been a part of are the most memorable ones. Like I really enjoy the panel, the PAX parent panels and, and things like that, because I think it's a really important area that doesn't get discussed enough uh, about how to, how, especially if you're not like us that are deep in gaming, you know, if you're the parent that's there taking their kid to see PAX and they don't really have an idea about the online space and things like that. And I think it's really important that those parents learn about, the positives in that so I, I really like doing those panels but i think the most fun is the silly ones like the like the literature one we did you know that yeah. was it was totally just absolute silliness we had a ball doing it um fergus organized that one and you know it was a really good group of people with cat and with jess and with david um mm. so i think that's the kind of joy for me in doing them is just like-minded people being silly and i guess the narcissist in me enjoys people laughing at us and having fun with us too. So I hope that they laugh with us, yeah, but I, well, I don't want to get my hopes up too high. You know, they can. I actually I'll have, take it either way. have that panel on our YouTube channel, which I recorded. So yeah. you can actually go and find it if you'd like. There you go. All right, then we've talked panels. We're, ch we're gonna we've got an hour limit for this podcast, which is really hard for us because we usually waffle forever. Um, mm. We always say we do an hour podcast that goes for two. Um, mm. So we'll we'll push on uh, games now. There's there's a lot of games at PAX, um, but there's got to be some memorable ones, some first experiences with a title. Uh, you know, in that maybe in that press hour, or maybe you just stumbled across something in PAX 
Rising or, or in, in the Indie Showcase. We'll go with Stephen. Um, I think this is probably one that'll come up for Paul as well because I think we uh, ended up doing this basically together or if not together, very close. Uh, but the first experience of PSVR, which I had sort of written off and it really is one of those things that you had to experience to sort of get in a lot of ways. And I think Paul could probably attest this. I think we both walked out of that presentation ready to slap a couple of hundred dollars down at EB Games. It, uh, it had I. PlayStation on it. He no, was no, buy no, that. no, no, no. <laughs> Firstly, yes, I already had it pre-ordered. But secondly, I didn't actually get to—I didn't actually get to try it out because they were having all sorts of issues at this particular packs with the lights, the overhead yeah. lights, causing a lot of interference. Mm. So I think there was a few people early on in the day that had a bit of success when the lights were kind of dull during that mm. media hour. And my goal so was, okay, I'll do all this other stuff. And then at the very end of the media hour, before the public gets in, that's when I'll jump into the queue and I'll still be able to get in there nice and quick. And it didn't work out because then, boom, the lights came on for everyone and it just caused all sorts of interference and that was it for me. I'm so sorry I brought up that painful memory for you, Paul. That's okay. Like I said, we already had it pre-ordered. There was nothing they were going to do that was going to sway me anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I didn't, but I definitely walked out of that saying I've got to pre-order that. And obviously now, like going back to that first uh, generation of PSVR titles, it seems very quaint and limited. But at the time, it did really feel like something that could be a next step. And then I had children and had to sell it all because I was never getting to throw on a headset and ignore yeah, the rest of the world for hours hitting, on end. Hitting kids as they run past as you're playing virtual tennis or something. <laughs> or pretending I'm playing virtual tennis pretending at Pretending you're playing virtual tennis. I am. Um, I remember my... I was going to bring it up anyway if you didn't, so sorry for the trauma, Paul. But um, I remember my first experience with the PSVR... Um, they, I you know, had an, an appointment, so they kind of, you know, I got ushered in and they were like, how are you with spiders? And I was like, um, not great, actually, <laughs> specifically not great with spiders. Why? But like, I'll, I'll give it a go. And they sat me down to try, um, I can't even remember the name of the game, but it was, you know, one of their like launch titles and it was about, you know, giant, giant spiders were part of it. Um, so I kind of got a couple of minutes in and I was like, no, no, not good. Like I can't, I can't do it. So they were like, okay, it's fine. We'll put you on one of the different games. Um, and they were like, how are you with clowns? And I was like, um, I guess, I guess better. I don't know. And so I played like the Until Dawn VR roller coaster oh, the, the thing. Rush, oh, yeah. The Rush for Blood yeah. one, yeah. Because blood, that was yeah. somehow less scary to me than whatever the first one was that they gave me. Um, yeah, because spiders are my weakness. So I was like, wow, what a specifically upsetting time. But it was good. I remember I walked away being like, I'm going to make all my friends play this because yeah. they will shit themselves. So... My first VR experience is similar, but it was at EB Expo the year that they both existed. Um, mm. So I think it was like 2016 or something, maybe. Mm. Um, yeah, that was so, a good year, that one. Yeah, so uh, I actually had an appointment on the Thursday night with Kat, um, Kat Benstead, and she was working for Capcom at the time, and I did Resident Evil 7 in oh, VR wow. as the first VR experience. And even in a show floor setting... It was terrifying, and no. <laughs> was that was that actually Resident Evil Seven, or was that the famous kitchen demo? Uh, it was it was in the lead up to Resident Evil Seven, so yeah, because there was the kitchen demo back when, like, before they officially announced Resident Evil Seven. No, no, they because um, they had Resident Evil Seven playable as well without. Yeah, okay. So because yeah, I I played the demo in VR, and then Cat said, "You you want to play it without the VR and actually enjoy it this time." <laughs> <laughs> But yes. Never played that kitchen demo. Would love to try it at some point. 
I'm sure it'll turn up in Lance's draw at some point in the future. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, I think the the there's two games I fondly remember discovering at PAX, and they've become like kind of cult favourites amongst a lot of people. The first one's Hand of Fate. Um, so that was the Aussie-developed game. Uh, a lot of us know people that worked on Hand of Fate and Hand of Fate 2, and... And playing Hand of Fate 1 at PAX in 2016, and then I played two a uh, couple of PAXs later with, and sat down with Lee and, and went through the demo. And, and I love those games, and I still love those games to this day. And they're the sort of game I can roll out at any time, and they're almost always installed on whatever machine I'm playing on. Um, and the other one's Assault Android Cactus, which is another... Yes. <laughs> and that was a perfect show floor demo, that one. Like, as far as getting people excited about a game, having a four-player, insane, like, bullet hell shooter that anyone can pick up and play. It was just the perfect PAX game experience. And, you know, it, it drew, drew a large crowd. Everyone was watching it. The animations in that game, as you know, are, are fantastic. So, it, you know, that, that, that wormed its way into my heart thanks to PAX. And they're, they're two sort of games that I don't think I'll ever forget sort of thing. They're, they're, they're in my history now forever. Um, has anyone got any of those sort of experiences? Um, uh, well, yeah, sorry, go on, Stephen. <laughs> uh, I was going to say Spin Rhythm XD uh, when that was um, first on the show floor and they had their little uh, CDJ set up as the controller and being the huge like sort of rhythm game nerd that I am, uh, I was very much taken with that and they managed to let me jump onto the iOS build not long after that. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's stuck with me. I still have it on my PC now. And for those who don't know, my PC is an absolute potato. So Spin Rhythm XD is one of the few games that will run on it. Uh, so, it you know, I was seriously considering buying a CDJ just to use as a controller for that game for a little while as well. <laughs> uh, so there's that. And, like having covered the indie showcase for a lot of years with a lot of the other player two writers, I guess just so many of the indie showcase titles and getting to go on the floor and talk to the developers and sort of get to feed off their, you know, at the start of the, at the start of PAX, the excitement. And then by the end of Sunday, they're, uh, you know, just dead on their feet, essentially having spent that much time on the show floor. But I think that's always really exciting to sort of put, um, faces to names that you've had over email or just, you know, you've seen in credits and really get to have that connection that you so rarely get in the bigger sphere of things when you're looking at AAA or AA games. And also watching the games go from PAX demo to full release mm. product is quite a journey mm. too. Like yeah. Broken Roads is one I'm really looking forward to because I've been watching that for a couple of years and PAX was, once again, the first time I saw it, like an Australian set Fallout. Yeah, sign me up. I'm in on that. So I'm really keen mm. to see. And now it's got a deal with Team 17 and it's like, hell yeah, that that that's a win there. So it's really cool to see that happen. Yeah. yeah I, I mean, I, oh, oh, no, sorry. On, just... Yeah, I was just going to say the one that, that that happened for me, like with that specifically, was the Artful Escape, which yep. just came out. Um, and I remember playing that at PAX a few years ago when it was still, you know, the Artful Escape of Francis Vendetti. It was full name. Yeah. Um, and thinking it was so cool and such a cool concept. Um, but, yeah, now now everybody's talking about it. And at the time, it was just this little um, indie title. And hearing the guy that created it talk about it with such such passion at the time, yeah. who was clearly so excited about what it would become, um, and now it's this huge thing. Um, yeah. 
very cool to see. Yeah, and I guess I've got similar sort of stories. I guess they're still kind of work in progress. So, like, to Matt, your point with Broken Roads, uh, I remember playing Cult of the Lamb a few years ago, so that's from Massive Monster. They did, um, uh, oh, damn, I've just gone blank on the name. It had the giraffe and the not something pals. I don't know. Giraffe, a pet rock, all sorts. It was awesome. It was funny. Um, so trying out their game a few years ago. And then seeing the lead up to one of the Keeleys recently, I think it, I think it was was it Gamescom or the is E three opening night live one where, like they teased a game from Massive Monster. I'm like, I recognise that art. Hang on, I just flick a flick a D and like, you about to show off your game finally? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and then of course, uh, of course, the event yeah. comes along and Cold of the Land pops up. I'm like, I played that two years ago. That's <laughs> awesome. Um, so those, those same sort of little stories popping up. Um, titles along the way like Hollow Knight and Ori that kind of fit, fit that same bill that you've been tracking for so long. You get these little opportunities to play them and then you see yeah. what they finally become. Uh, big hype moment getting to play Final Fantasy VII Remake for the first time uh, a few years ago, just being a Final Fantasy dog from way back. Final Fantasy IX's better, but anyway. Um, uh, get, getting to try that out with all these like de- two decades of people anticipating this and hype and speculation and rumors and all that to actually put the control in my hands and try it out before the release was really really exciting and then i guess the one final one that i wanted to shout out which is a title of doubt anyone really knows was a game called uh voyager project it was a student project from uh from swinburne and that one really stuck out because that was a student of mine like me being a math teacher but it was a student of mine that like we we used to talk all the time about like his passion for games and all that, and him knowing that I was kind of in the game media side and picking my brain about you know people I knew or any of that sort of stuff, and him then actually going and getting into a course, creating a game, and then presenting it at PAX was a really really exciting moment for for him, obviously, but pretty exciting when I waltzed through and saw him there doing it. So, um, so yeah. cool. Very yeah, cool. it is really cool. I've got one more that I think is uh, something that Matt is going to remember for uh, the rest of his life. And that is watching Paul and I try to play Doom on a PC. <laughs> Doom Eternal. It was Doom Sans, Eternal. Sans, Sans, controller. Sans controllers. Oh, it was It was tragic. It honestly was. I don't know why you plebs play with a mouse and keyboard anyway. The controls obviously way <laughs> I think he must have mentally made a note to take us off PC stuff at this point. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the the old PC master racer in me. Uh, hey Paul, cringed. do you want to review this mouse? Yeah, no worries. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was his encouragement. He's like, and how do I how do I teach them? How do I teach them the ways of the mouse and keyboard? <laughs> and it will force them to use the mouse. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was. Perhaps you could play some games with the mouse that I just sent you to review. <laughs> and considering it was the tutorial that you were struggling with, it wasn't like it was an actual level from Doom Eternal. <laughs> I laugh because I wouldn't have been any better. But no one saw it happen, so no, I can so pretend. You can get away with it. No, that was fun. Um, <laughs> on Thanks, the triple A's, yeah, it was, I was going to bring it up anyway. So you know, at least he, he owned up to it. <laughs> I was hoping to dodge it. Um, I think on triple A side, Pax is a funny one because of the time it usually sits, and in a lot of instances, we've seen those demos either played them or seen them in in other ways but every now and then one sneaks in and there was the old one i remember the oddest one i ever played was biomutant um only only because it was so clearly early like it was like Mm. playing super pre-alpha and you thought geez that's ballsy by these guys to to bring 
code and it was playable don't get me wrong but it was so early and janky and there were so many problems with it but they were you know like hey this is what we're doing this is what we're working on that was like three years before the game actually came out Uh, well i still remember you walking out immediately afterwards because i i had just finished another demo myself and walked over to where you were finishing up and you walked out and it was just the okay how was it and you you kind of outlined those those points but then you were still so full of praise like but i can see where they're going and i can see the direction i can see this and you know people can render their own judgment the game is available now and make up your own mind but um at the time yeah i remember you got like you could see where they were going like it conveyed that despite its primitive state very primitive state and it was the sort of game that and it showed its heart and i think that's what really won me over and it still does the main game is like the reason to play that game is the heart that it shows not because of the actual gameplay which is pretty bog standard when you get to it but um yeah the heart from that game shone in that early very early demo which i think was incredibly brave especially from a new studio with only eight people in it or something at that point i think they only finished up with 20 all up so you know it's a pretty pretty amazing effort from from that sort of studio. Oh wow! Uh, any more games you want to talk about before we move on? I mean, something that is slightly sad to me is obviously my foray into tabletop gaming, and PAX does offer a lot of that. But I was not into it at the time. I could attend PAX, so that's been kind of a bummer because now I'm just thinking about you know all those three plus four plus player games that I could have gotten in <laughs> at those tables and not had to buy them first because there's just, you know, stacks and stacks of games there to yeah. grab and play. So speaking of that, I was actually going to move on to experiences we've had at PAX that are a bit out of the ordinary. Like I, I tend to see PAX as a place to try new things and to try something new every year. And one year I kind of got roped into it without even thinking about it, which was in tabletop gaming um one of the pr reps that i talked to on a regular basis said hey we've got this australian made game didn't mention it was tabletop australian made board game what did you, you, you say before game <laughs> australian australian made and she, she said australian missing a word made. There in the email. you want to check it out i said sure why not i'll check it out and then i said sure and then she goes okay so we're in the tabletop area and i went oh Right, you got me. Yeah, you got me. So I did it anyway. Sinker, baby. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I had heaps of fun because I didn't have to set it up. And I played with one of the guys that um, made the game. It was called Final War. I've still got my... And they gave me a copy. And it was like an $80 game or something. And they gave it I'll, to me. I'll, I'll let you know right now that's actually pretty cheap for pretty, tabletop yeah. games these days. Well, that was a few years ago. So... Um, mm. But it was a lot of fun I, with the developer, and he spoke about the concepts behind it and how their thinking was when developing it. And it was it was actually a blast. And I'm not a tabletop gamer at all. I tend to just get the shits with it, generally. Um, it's just too much effort for my like Eight-hour games of Arkham Horror for yeah. you. <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I had a blast, and it was, it was really good to try something new. Um, what about you guys? Is there something you discovered at PAX, be it tabletop, be it you know, a panel or something that's put you onto a new something or other, a new bit of tech? Um, no, I mean, I guess my big PAX story is, um, the first year I went to PAX, I went to watch a panel, um, that was about, uh, representation, essentially, in games, 
Um, and it was when there were still, like, not that many of those panels happening. Um, and on that panel um, was Alana Cole, who uh, went on to then found what at the time was Queerly Represent Me, which has become Represent Me. Um, and after the panel, I was, like, this super anxious wreck. And I remember going up to her and being like, hey, we're really similar. I Like, I really like what you just did and, you know... Um, it was really cool, and it's not something that I usually do. Like, I'm a really kind of anxious mm. person. I don't really usually approach people. Um, but yeah, as a result of that conversation, we became friends um, and now run a not-for-profit organization together. Yeah, um, yeah so I guess no that's... Yeah, yeah, no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's, that's always going to be my most exciting moment from, from PAX. Um, I guess the other one was uh, different. Um, but the other one was meeting Ron Gilbert at like some uh, at, at like a oh, games Pax event. Drinks. Yeah, a, the Pax year that Thimbleweed and... Park came out. Yeah. Um, and you know, obviously, I'd been playing his his games for a long time. We all we all had. Um, and that was that was really cool. I don't really have that many like gaming heroes or like you know people mm. I would have known by name whose games I played growing up. But um, he was kind of one of the big ones and um. Yeah, that was cool. Meeting him, he was a cool dude. Yeah, well, he he came to Pack Strings that year, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. 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 It was at it was at pa- at Pack Strings, yeah. Pack Strings, yeah. Uh, I I met Ryan Warren Spector one year. I uh, can't mm-hmm. remember what year that was, but he was doing Epic Mickey. Twenty fifteen, that was. In yeah. The- yeah, in the lead up to Epic uh, Mankind Divided, because uh, they well they got him there they got him there for that. Yeah, they were yeah. promoting Epic Mickey, but um, they kind of roped him in to come along because obviously Deus Ex is his baby, and they were gearing up for Mankind Divided, so they brought him along for that. Brought him along for that. Yeah. Sorry, so I know was... that one well because it's like my been my profile picture for years. <laughs> <meeting him>. so. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that. That's cool. Um, it came up, so we might as well talk about it. And honestly, it's the reason. I make such an effort to make it and I know Stephen and Jess have got quite a ways to go. It's a bit easier for Paul being it's, you know, within drive. 45 minute drive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's the people. Like the reason I go every year and I book my accommodation and spend too much money on going to this event is because, you know, I'll make it clear to anyone that's listening to us just in case you think we're a successful organisation. We're not. We don't make any money. Um, Mm -hmm. So (laughs) we're doing this all on our own bat. We're definitely a (laughs) (laughs) not-for-profit. Not your choice, but... (laughs) I'm all for loss. (laughs) We do this, and it's for the people. And, like, there are so many people I consider really, really good friends that, unfortunately, the only time I get to see them is at PAX. Mm. And not having it the last two years, I think, has been one of the biggest, I guess, hurts of COVID for me personally is not I'd been agree. catching up with these people. Like, I would consider Jason Imms one of my best friends and I see him once a year if I'm very lucky, um, yeah. you know. Oh, in meat space. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we, we all talk regularly online, but it's just not the same, you know. Mm. And just sitting down a drink of choice, you know, whether it's beer or whether it's Coke or whatever, coffee, just sitting down and chatting about shit. Like mm. it doesn't have to be anything important. Just being there with these people is, is such an important part of PAX. I think more than anything, I think it's the, the reason that PAX is so wonderful. 
Yeah, like I, I feel like at PAX, it has been so much easier for me to kind of meet people to connect with. Um, like, because, you know, like I said, I'm kind of an anxious, awkward person, not usually someone who approaches people. But like at PAX, you want to because you know that everybody is there because they love the same things you do and they care about the, th- the same things you do. Like, like I said, Alana Cole or like, um, like Alison Karma who run the Diversity Lounge at PAX. They're some of my closest friends now that I met there. Mm. Um, because everybody is so approachable and you, you kind of find your people really quickly and really easily at PAX. Um, so it's like catching up with friends that you only get to see once a year. Um, but it's also like meeting those friends in the first place. And then the next year you go back and you've, you know, kind of been talking online all year. So it's, you're closer, but it's, it's not the same as seeing them again in person. And the friendships that are forged at PAX are like, I think quite, quite special yeah yeah being able to give them that covid safe hug afterwards and all that sort of stuff <laughs> yeah all those things we didn't have to worry about yeah. holy hell mm. covid would absolutely decimate packs if it were to... <laughs> <laughs> i think uh, yeah. we have to give a shout out to our uh player two super fan 80 as well it's always good to see him when yeah. we have oh, yeah. the packs he's always the first man there with a grin on his face waiting for a beer always just... rocks up the co-op drinks as well which is awesome yep yeah. yep yeah. He always feels, he, and he, he's funny because he kind of feels like he's not supposed to be there, but it's like, no, come in, man. Well, the last time we did it, he was like, I was messaging him back and forth beforehand and letting him know where we were. It's like, should I really be coming along? I'm like, yes. Yes. It doesn't matter whether That's you're gay or what, who cares? Just come along. Like, that was the out. idea of co-op drinks, so there wasn't any yeah. boundaries. It was yeah. everyone. Every, like, everyone comes. That's why we've somehow found ourselves with Ron Gilbert that year. Like, yeah. We don't, yeah. Deserve, we don't deserve to be in his space, but we were. No. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I feel like not, the weird thing is, I don't think cool we've enough <laughs> to get invited to the Twitch drinks. No, <laughs> no, no. Um, or the year that Sea of Thieves had like a pirate ship. I went on that one. That was so cool. Oh uh, well, bully for you. Yeah, <laughs> Matt yeah you got, got to go on the pirate ship. Went the next day, where uh, yeah. see, you could see alcohol on the ground. Like, oh, that's not even a prop. That's the real stuff. Yeah, man, wow. I wish I was there last night. Jim, Jim. I mean, that doesn't make me want to be there. Tried made me drink reshes. Um, oh which I hate, oh. and I've made that very clear to Jim, who's the only person under the age of 80 that still drinks Reshers. And, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it's been a long-running battle. We since I joined Player 2. No, we haven't. You, It was just after the last mm-hmm. one we did that panel that you jumped yeah. in. You guys, yeah. Do you guys get bummed when it's that week? For the past two years, I, like, I, it hasn't, like, it hasn't, it's sort of, I guess, been in my periphery, and I haven't really thought about it. And then mm. it just sort of hits me yeah. on like the the, Wednesday, the right Tuesday now. or the Wednesday that week where I'm like, oh, I'd be getting ready to jump on a plane to fly to Melbourne yeah. to yeah. mooch accommodation off my brother and mooch lifts off Paul. <laughs> oh, time, I think last time I went to PAX, actually, my friend drove me to the airport um, and on the way back, his car died. So I was like on a plane blissfully enjoying my trip to PAX and he was just like pulled Thanks. over at a station, like a petrol station with his engine on fire. <laughs> Um, and I didn't realize until I landed, and it was a in rough some, day for somewhere him, in mascot, but... you know. He's yeah, stuck. <laughs> but a great day for me. Um, yeah, um, I feel like the past couple of years that PAX has been online, I've still done panels. Yeah. Um, but it's really weird because you record the panels like a couple of weeks before PAX happens. Yeah. So it's this really disjointed experience because you're trying to kind of replicate that feeling of being at PAX and feed off that energy when it PAX is a few weeks away. And even then it's not like proper PAX. No. Um, so it's already, it's, it's always weird. It, I find it, it is hard. A, it is a sad period when you, yeah, you're not, 
and Amy, every year my wife comes down and she goes shopping and sees friends and ignores well, me completely. She's the one that we're most she's the one we're most excited to see out of the two. <laughs> yeah, well that's fair, you know. <laughs> you put up with me all year, so <laughs> Yeah, next time I'm gonna meet Amy and it's gonna be over for you. Yep, yep, pretty much. But uh yeah, so she we we make a weekend of it and uh, stay at the same place every year and, and all that sort of thing and she goes and spends money shopping and I spend money drinking and eating and probably buying shit I shouldn't at PAX. Yeah, no, I'm with you on the whole social, the social thing. Obviously, with the with the team and the people that we meet that are kind of in similar sorts of orbits. And I guess, sorry, I'm referencing Dev Diary again. Yeah. Like, share, subscribe. No, no, no. Um, uh, so the thing that I've enjoyed the most since actually starting the show has been the fact that I've I've kind of connected with a few developers now. And so that, as I'm waltzing through the Indie Rising or Pax Rising or something like that, they'll someone will spot me and they say, hey, "Paul, come over here and you know try this out." Which, firstly, nice little oh hey celebrity moment. But um, but also, which is just fueling a horrible ego that I've got. But um, <laughs> it's just, it's just it's nice to go, go over mm. and like, you know whether whether they push me in or whether there's an empty spot, whatever. Who cares in that respect? But I get to try out their game. There's so much passion there. They're excited because they're showing it to. A, I guess at this point, you know, we consider ourselves friends or whatever. And um, in a lot of cases, they might be uh, introducing me to something that I may not have otherwise played had it not been for that relationship that had yeah. been established previously. Because obviously there's so many games. Just if we focus on the indie section alone, there's dozens and dozens of games and you can be the most meticulous person there, but you're not going to get to all of them. It's uh, just not feasible. Megan does every year. Uh, Megan O'Neill, who writes for PC Power Play, she yeah. plays every indie game at PAX every year she does it. And it's... And I think last year the count was 93, or the last time we went, and I was talking to her about it. And she, she schedules it out, and she takes one of her kids as, like, her PA to help her out. <laughs> yeah, it's, That's intense. Yeah, it is. And then every year she picks 12 to go into PC Power Play. So, like, mm. it's a big deal for the indies too, I guess, but... <laughs> it is yeah, a that's, hell that's, of an Yeah, that's certainly been the thing, like, being introduced to something that I may not have played otherwise simply because... You know, I've become friends with someone, and and maybe off the back of that, they're going to. But have you gone and checked out this person's thing? And so you end up, you know, trundling yeah. over there and have, trying that out, and it's it's been really awesome. So I actually look forward to, presumably next year, Touchwood, with two years of additional relationships that have been formed over the journey. Yeah, God knows what I'll get to see. I'm pretty excited for it. It is very exciting, and and also, like it, it seems and to catch up with everyone again sappy but the pr teams that we work with too like we we speak with so many of these people with email um on such regularity and we don't half the time know what they look like um so just being able to get there and say hey i'm matt you might know me from the six thousand emails i've sent you over the last, last 12 months yeah <laughs> <laughs> but that's always good uh, i think for, for people in our i guess situations any last things you want to bring up about PAX before we wrap this up? Is there any oh, last tricks. regrets? Do you want to? What do you want to see in PAX next year? You know, you people. know, people. Do you want it's to see um, something change? Yeah. Do you want to? Do you want to see something new? How does post-COVID PAX look? I mean, yeah, I mean, the, that's going to be. Different. I guess just the logistics of it is difficult. If like, are they going to have to cap numbers? All of that sort of stuff. Uh, can they run it for the same length of time? I've always, I've always thought, and this is obviously really selfish on my part because I know a lot of the people there are volunteers. But like, I've always thought it would be nicer for parts of packs to be open a lot longer. Like, if you could just chill in the tabletop space till ten or eleven at night or something like that. Um, 
obviously the show floor shuts down what you would normally consider fairly early. Yeah, that's Otherwise, a constraint of the the fact that we're in the exhibition centre these days. The first mm. two, when they were at the Melbourne Showgrounds, the fact that it wasn't you know, enclosed area like that, or you know, kind of administered by the government versus yeah. just yeah. The, the racetrack, meant that you could actually stay till ten pm on on a few of those nights, and there was no issues. But now it's a venue a venue enforced thing, so it's a bit of a shame in that respect. Because I guess. In a roundabout way, what I'm saying is it's not enough time to see all of the amazing people and to play all of the amazing games and to do all of the amazing things that there are at PAX. Uh, it always is so sad to be leaving. Yeah, it, that Sunday trip to the airport is never fun. And f for me, I have to bail early. I don't even get to do the whole thing most of the time because, you know, Generally, I have to be back to go back to work on Monday, so I'm leaving Sunday morning. So Sunday is, I think, the most I've ever managed is a half day on a Sunday, and that was cutting it really close. Yeah, I'm to take an extra day off, mate. <laughs> well, let's I have kid. a look at the, let's have a look at the sick pay <laughs> we get to next year. I might have I might have saved enough back up to be able to do it. I've definitely literally left work on like thursday afternoon run to the car gone to the airport spend the weekend oh, yeah. at pax monday morning caught like a very 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 early flight and gone straight from the airport to work um <laughs> that's a bit but, yeah, for me yeah yeah I've, I've had those sort of similar issues and mate partially well i can't say it's self-inflicted the fact that pax is in my backyard i've had some complications like that where i've had weddings that have been running uh, running during the during pax mm. so i've been at pax in the morning i've flown back to go to the uh, to go to the wedding and then i've oh, flown driven um driven back to go to the wedding and then cruised back to pax afterwards didn't didn't go to the uh, the reception, reception so that i could get back and do co-op just to hang wow. out with everyone um and like the again the, the whole teacher thing uh year 12 exams are at that time of the year yeah. so i've had like usually the friday of packs not this year and obviously no packs anyway but um usually that is the day that my year 12s have my exam which has kind of caused some little wrinkles in the past where like i am in the week before i'm at work till six o'clock just fielding questions and all that sort of thing so that i'm so that i'm free and available for PAX day and even then my phone is just buzzing off the hook on the day of the exam with last minute questions that people are asking so I mean that's that always keeps things entertaining yeah I the one thing I learn from PAX and age brings wisdom in this instance but when the co-op drinks and that bar shuts that's the time to go home mm. you, you don't go to the casino when people say let's go to the casino because that ends badly and when you have a panel at 11 in the morning <laughs> that you've got to get to <laughs> Look, if you're me, you don't, because I, I don't drink. Yeah. So co-op drinks tends to end kind of early for me, but I still make poor decisions and I spend the night with my friends in a hotel room playing board games and, until like 1am. Yeah. Um, so everyone's like, Wait. oh, do you have a big night? And I'm like, yeah, just, sure. You just, you just said poor decisions. That sounds like a great decision. It's a smarter decision <laughs> than going to the casino. Let me I'm tell failing you. to yeah. see what is poor <laughs> about poor that decision. I feel like sleep would be a better decision, but also there's plenty of time for sleep that's not... At PAX, so yeah, yeah, you can you can sleep three hundred and sixty-two days of the year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the one advantage that I'm seeing. To well, advantage. There's lots of disadvantages to the fact that PAX has not been on the last few years. But these last two in particular would have been the worst years for me for PAX anyway, because I've got ones. <laughs> at the time I would have had a one-year-old, and now the, now cast my mind to this year, uh, a three-year-old and a one-year-old. Like it just, I wouldn't have been able to stay out all that long. Like I'd be. 
negligent my responsibilities as a father and a husband. So the fact that uh, hopefully in a year from now when we're looking at kids that are four and two. It's a bit easier. Everything's going all right and I might be able to just kick on and and <laughs> not not necessarily go to the casino. That's not no, really no, my thing never, either. No. But, um, and it was only because that was the bar that was open at that point we went there. Yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't for casino fun. It was just bar. I mean, well, that, you I might mean, be able to like, say... Jess held you hostage and forced you to play board, board games, games till 1am in the morning. That... I am quite threatening. So. Well, that's why. I didn't mind. Start queuing my excuses up now. But I mean, you know, cycling back to what we discussed before about the social side, like that's, like, I'm not going there looking to drink myself into oblivion no. or anything. I think, and I think we're all in the same boat there. I mean, obviously, Jess, you don't drink, but no, like, no I don't think no. anyone from our team is looking to just power drink or any of that sort of stupid stuff it's too it's expensive just... to power drink well, i was gonna say those, <laughs> yeah. those drink prices are very good at helping rein in any of you know any proclivities i might have towards drinking more yeah. but it's just it's you so got your good hand a 20 over and you they're asking you for more money and you're like i i guess it's three <laughs> drinks tonight <laughs> It's it's just so good to you know hang out with the team and then obviously the, you know you might have a relationship with this person so that someone else kind of drifts into the group and people are drifting mm. in and out and that sort of yeah. thing and you're walking through doors and people are groping you and that's, you that's a very specific that. example that I'm not going to name the name of the person. Funny story though, um, and like it's just. I mean, I do <laughs> I do have to watch out walking around Paul through doors. You never know when he's going to strike. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I didn't indicate whether it was me or. <laughs> whether I was the victim or that. No, let's move on. Um, but like, it's just it's just so good to be able to hang out with people. and we don't, No one's having to run off to go to an appointment or a panel or that sort of thing. We're just yeah. all there. We can get, just get to hang out and socialise. And so, Jess, I mean, like since you've joined the team, we haven't had a PAX and I very much look, look forward to just being able to hang out in that yeah. context with no, no one needing to run off anywhere. Yes. Maybe we do end up playing board games later. Who knows? But it's just yeah. like... I've got a few we can choose from. Just a couple. Just a couple. Yeah. Like, that's that's what I'm looking forward to the most is being able to just hang out with the team again. And anyone, anyone else who kind of drifts through at the time. Yeah, I agree. Well, on that very kind of hopeful note, we might end things because we are almost at our time limit. So we'll do the lap around the circle where you can find everyone. We'll start with Stephen. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Gorath44000 and uh, what have you got obviously on up? Player 2. Uh, I have a Lost Judgment review. I have a HyperX Quadcast S review and I have a Samsung uh, Galaxy Fold Z3 5G. I think that's wow. the full title. Uh, Worth memorizing that. Yeah. Let's, I'll check the box. I don't know if I'm actually correct. The Samsung <laughs> PR is going to murder me. Excellent. Um, but yeah, all that stuff's coming up and um, look for it on Player 2 because nowhere else will have me. <laughs> <laughs> Jess. Good, we got it. Where are you lurking? Oh, me? Um, yeah. I am at, on Twitter at Zamet Jess. Um, I have a pair of uh, EPOS headphones coming in the mail that I am very excited to... Um, to check out. I have a weirdly free slate with games at the moment, which I expect to last for about two days. Not long um, yet. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to use that to play the Life is Strange DLC that just came out. So, good timing Good use for me. of time. Yeah. Paul, which million things do you want to plug? And <laughs> So, Paul James Games for me. I've already shouted out Dev Doris. Let's not worry about that. But go check out the podcast. Um, Nintendo. 
sent me a Switch OLED model to try out, um, as well as Metroid Dread. So be sure to go check out reviews and written pieces and videos around all of those. Matt, you and I have been playing Far Cry, so we've been dis- we'll be talking about that on the YouTube channel as well. Uh, YouTube.com slash player2netau. Um, and I'm sure there's a whole bunch of other stuff that I can't even think of right now that I'll inevitably be a part of in some way, shape, or form. So go check all of that stuff out on the website and the YouTube channel and podcast feeds. Excellent. And you can find me at Huso81 uh, on Twitter or Player2AU, which is where I usually lurk. And I got the Far, Size, Far Cry 6 review coming up. Uh, and I hopefully, uh, by the time this goes live, we'll have some very cool preview uh, words about an upcoming racing game from Microsoft. We won't say any more about that, but I'm very no much need. looking forward to it. Mm. Um, it's called Halo Warthog Racing. It's unreal. <laughs> <laughs> the classic. The classic game. It's it's the it's the Halo spin on Mario Kart. It's going to be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Can't yeah. wait. <laughs> you can catch everything we do at player2.net.au if you haven't checked us out before please come on over we've got reviews previews news podcasts opinion pieces videos uh, and a whole bunch of stuff that really doesn't fit into any category whatsoever but you can come and check it out and we also have the youtube channel and these podcast feeds which are all uh, fun and games we do have a patron which you can click on the links on the website if you're so inclined but don't feel the need just enjoy our stuff because it's there Thank you for joining us on this, the 70th episode of the Pixelcast and the very special PAX radio uh, episode. Thanks to Audio Technica that are going to put it on the Discord channel. So uh, thanks to those guys, and we will catch you all on the next episode of the Pixelcast. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.